From KLCC Studios, this is Oregon on the Record. I'm Michael Dunn. The isolation of COVID saw an increase in overall pet ownership across the U.S. and in Oregon. For many, welcoming a new cat or dog or other pet was a huge boost for mental health. And one group in particular sought out four-legged companionship in great numbers. According to the National Poll on Healthy Aging, 10% of all people between the ages of 50 and 80 got a new pet sometime between 2020 and 2021. It's a good trend, as many studies suggest that a pet can greatly increase the quality of life for seniors. The only downside? For many, their pets may outlive them. Today on Oregon on the Record, you'll hear from experts about how to make sure your pets are cared for, for both short-term emergencies and also for the longer term if you're no longer around or able to care for your pets. Just like preparing a will and testament, estate planning for your pets is a real thing and an increasingly important step in life's journey. Today on the show, you'll hear from both the Green Hill and Oregon Coast Humane Societies about the growing trend of pet estate planning. Making a plan for your pets, whether it's just in case of an emergency like last month's ice storm or for a more permanent plan after one passes away, it's a big deal when pets are considered a vital part of our family. First, let's hear from Green Hill Humane Society. Kerry Lieberman, the Executive Director for Green Hill Humane Society. Really appreciate you coming in and talking to us. Sure. Glad to be here. Yeah, you know, boy, obviously we suffered uh, a terrible ice storm a few weeks ago. I kind of wanted to talk to you about what... What you've seen in terms of perhaps lost pets that that are being recovered or perhaps people who lost power and had major damage and they were looking for a place to temporarily house their pets. Kind of what have you seen? Yes, um, this ice storm was certainly unique. Um, In many cases, it was a shelter in place situation because people couldn't move. Um, They couldn't move in the ice. Um, They did lose power, but um, it was hard to to leave their homes. So we didn't actually see a lot of stray animals coming in. But we did um, um, help and assist with a number of situations where people had to evacuate their homes um, and needed a place for their pets. Yeah. Um, The Red Cross shelters that were set up in this area um, all offered pet um, care as well. And uh, Green Hill Humane Society supported that with resources and supplies um, so that people could safely shelter with their pets. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, and, and you and I have spoken before, and obviously, you know, Winter creates problems on its own, but of course, in the summertime and wildfires, that's almost an entire season where you could have issues. And I kind of wanted to sort of get your general read on, you know, weather type crises more most likely are going to increase. And and I I think, you know, from your perspective as the leader, in terms of planning for how to both temporarily and, and maybe even permanently house pets, kind of what do you see today and and perhaps into the future and how it's going to impact what you do. Right. Um, These sorts of events are something that we need to prepare for. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone is talking about preparedness. And we're hoping that people keep in mind their pets as well. Um, What that means is developing relationships with boarding facilities, Mm -hmm. um, if possible, um, arranging and having those conversations with neighbors, um, as well as uh, friends and family outside of the areas so that they have a plan in place for their pets. Yeah. Um, from an infrastructure standpoint and a community standpoint, um, what that means is that the, the boarding facilities at, in each of our communities are becoming more active. Um, they're developing the need for wider, um, 
wider response. Hmm. And animal shelters are doing the same. Yeah, yeah. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking with Kerry Lieberman. He is the executive director for Green Hill Humane Society. So let's turn to the issue sort of 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 longer term care. You know, it's we're sort of in this interesting nexus in that, you know, obviously many, many studies suggest that as we age, getting a pet is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so, it's so important in terms of combating loneliness or just overall mental health, which is great. But obviously, as we get older, it creates a whole new set of challenges having a pet, such as a dog or a cat, that might outlive us. Maybe talk a little bit about that issue and, and kind of advice and, and counsel you might have. Sure, absolutely. Um, having a pet has been proven to... Uh, increase our longevity actually mm-hmm. so um so we always encourage people to um, get pets at whatever age um and it's important to plan um for their future and um green hill humane society and and most of the larger shelters um, in our communities have programs in place that um, make arrangements with mm. people um to um to care for their pets in the event that they can no longer care for them. And uh, Green Hill, we call it securing your pet's future. Okay. It is, um, as most humane societies do, it's a a conversation with uh, the pet parent, the pet owner, um, an understanding about what the animal situation is, how old the animal is, what kind of care it's been given, and um, and what the wishes are for Hmm. that pet should a person pass away. And it, it may be something as um, as easy as temporarily holding the pet until a relative can come, okay, um, or something more long term where the the pet actually gets surrendered to the shelter and then goes up for adoption. Wow, wow! So it, it almost sounds like you know, we're, I think many of us when we reach a certain age, we're, we're often talking about making a a, a will or something where we're going to leave various assets to family members. It sounds like you can include that in, uh, with regard to pets. So yes, actually, in Oregon, you can um, set up a trust for mm. your pet um, as well, and, and may do. I'm not an attorney, so I won't sure. speak further on that sure. topic. But um, <laughs> I would encourage people if they they're interested to speak with an estate planning attorney. Um, and and yeah, it, it is. It's very much a, a thoughtful thing that should be put into place. Um, so that you don't have to worry about it at the end. And with the program that, that Green Hill has, we actually commit to contacting people hmm. um, on at least an annual basis to check in, see how they're going, and to see if there's any changes in the, the number of pets that they have or yeah. the health, um, and and make that, that transition as smooth as possible for everyone. So it sounds like, so Green Hill can, can sometimes act as sort of a, I, think I can't think of the right word, but a, a temporary uh, facility so that if, if someone does pass away and they've, they've made arrangements, an, a dog or cat can go to Green Hill until relatives can, or, or the, the person identified in, in the estate planning can, can then take possession. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Maybe give us some general guidance of, of, of somebody who's, who's, you know, in their 70s or 80s and has a pet, you know, thinking about either what, before they get a pet, what are some of those challenges they may have to overcome? Or maybe there's assistance they can be looking for that can help them still have the pet, but provide it with the, with the care it needs. Right. Um, mobility is certainly probably the primary concern. And so I, I would discourage people from getting kittens or puppies okay. um, just because they get underfoot um, and create a hazard. Um, but other considerations beyond that would be um, 
one's own ability to care for the pet. Mm -hmm. So weight might be issue, weight of the pet. Okay. Um, could, can you lift a dog into a car sure. to take it for vet care? Um, but also the support that you have around. There are certainly many businesses and individuals who are pet sitters. There's doggy daycares. There's boarding facilities. There are mobile veterinarians. So most of the situations could be overcome as long as an individual has the resources to do that sure. and pursues that. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, you could almost say it's, it's almost like we're in sort of a bit of a golden age with pets because there are a lot of resources. I realize sometimes people can't avail themselves of that, but certainly your organization and others, I mean, there's a lot of support for people who have pets in various stages of their lives as well as their pets' lives. Absolutely. The, the shelters like Green Hill and Humane Society, mm -hmm. the other shelters in, within Oregon are, are all more of the safety net. So sure. it's for people who don't have the resources. Sure. Um, but beyond that, there is a wealth of businesses that are there to help support people with pets. It's a huge industry. Yeah. You know, Carrie, my last question for you is kind of a, just an overall statement of, yeah, there are challenges, as we saw with like the ice storm or, or preparing for uh, if your pet may outlive you. But just generally speaking, you know, and you're certainly one who would be in the know. Just talk about the overall just improvement in quality of life if you have a pet. Oh, absolutely. I could go on forever about this, <laughs> this topic. But yeah, having a, a pet in one's life um, is a, a connection that I often say makes us more human, mm. um, interestingly, um, because it, it's a, an, an animal, a creature, a, a sentient being in our lives that we can care for, that cares back mm -hmm. for us. Maybe doesn't judge us like others, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't judge us, but also sometimes lets us know when, are, are we out of line? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I get that look from my cat. <laughs> I get that too, I get that too. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I, it's, it is, it keeps us going for many. And I, I would say certainly, um, I've talked to a lot of people since you know, the last handful of years have been yeah. really challenging. And sometimes that pet being there in that room when you're isolated from other people is the one thing that keeps you going. You know, yeah. It gets you up. You, if it's a dog, you gotta get up and mm -hmm. walk and be outside and breathe fresh air. And, and if it's a cat, you get those snuggles and the purrs <laughs> and, and even the fish. Yes. And even the fish, too. even <laughs> the fish. Well, Carrie Lieber, <clears throat> excuse me, Carrie Lieberman, the executive director for Green Hill Humane Society. Really appreciate you coming in and talking sure. to us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now we're going to hear from the Humane Society that serves much of the Oregon coast. Elizabeth Thompson, the executive director for the Oregon coast Humane Society. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you've got an event coming up that you're that that you're putting on that I think is kind of interesting. This idea of of pet planning and and almost like estate planning for your pets. Talk about it. So here at Oregon Coast Humane Society, we created a program last year called a Plan for My Pets, mm -hmm. and this is so that pet owners have a chance to make plans in the event they're no longer able to care for their animal. Okay. Um, and so what we've offered is that with a gift of any size from their estate, from their will, their trust, you know, piece of property, whatever, 
um, we will bring their animals in and then we'll find homes for their animals. Hmm. And the important part about it is that it gives us the information about each pet before they arrive. And so, especially as we've come out of the pandemic, we've seen so many people that have had some sort of medical emergency, life crisis, where suddenly they are, you know, not with their animals anymore. And then the animals arrive here. And if we can get that information about their behavior, their medical, their dietary needs before they get here, it means that their transition to the next home is a lot easier on the animal. Okay. Okay. And I imagine there might be sort of uh, uh, two tracks here. It might be that somebody who who knows they're going to have they have a health problem or or that they you know they may outlive their pets. They may have a family member who they want to take care of this animal. Is your organization could could it be as kind of a way station to make sure that you know if a person does pass away, their pet has a place to go waiting for that relative. And then it sounds like or. Uh, you're there in case they don't necessarily have a, a plan B for a person to take care of the pet, and, and then you're going to go ahead and, and try and find a suitable home for that pet. Right. So we And we see both of those examples here at the shelter pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had a Rottweiler come in whose owner had died unexpectedly, a young owner. Oh, okay. I mean, the man was in his 20s. And of course, you know, you never expect that's going to happen. And so the family was in Idaho. His father wanted to come and get the dog, but we were the we were the holding place where the dog was able to stay safely until the, the father could get here. And, hmm. you know, you see with, with a family going through that type of a loss, especially unexpected and someone young, you know, sure. you never expect you're going to lose your child. Um, it's, it's just devastating for the family. And so when they know that, Hey, the animal can sit here as long as you need, Hmm. we're not going to give the animal away. We're going to honor the family's wishes. I think that's really a peace of mind so they can focus on the more immediate, um, steps that need to be taken when that type of a loss happens. Sure. Then on the other side of that, we have all the time where people adopt from us and we'll say, well, you know, what's your plan of, if the animal outlives you, or if, if your life circumstances change. And a lot of times people say, Oh, my child, you know, my spouse, they're going to take the animal. And we find time and again that life life happens. And even the best of intentions, people that want to take their, you know, their father's cat or their sister's dog, something has changed in their own life and they're no longer able to do that. And so, you know, whether we're going to be the permanent um, holding facility that's going to bring the animal in, get them vetted, and then get them into their for you know their next adopted home, or we're just going to be the temporary stop. Either way, we want to make sure we serve the animal. And, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays you see every everybody's pet has some kind of allergy. They're on some kind of medication. They have something behavior, and which is a, a testament to the good care that, that pet owners are providing. You sure. know, the fact that we know our animals are allergic to grain or they need to be on, you know, this pain relieving pill, whatever it is. Um, And when they wind up at the shelter and you don't have that information, it's like solving a mystery. And Mm. in the meantime, you know, we're doing all kinds of diagnostic testing. You're running blood, you're getting x-rays, you're doing all these things. In the meantime, the animal is suffering. Like they've, they've, you know, lost their meds that they should be on. And, you know, sometimes it takes a while to figure that stuff out, especially now where it's hard to get into a vet office with any kind of speed. So, um, the more preparation people can make ahead of time, the better. And, you know, best case scenario, that never has to be used. You never need to, you know, tap into that toolbox of information that we have about someone's pet because the pet they stay with the pet for the entire life of the, of the animal. But 
Um, when it doesn't end up like that, it's really nice to be able to kind of shorten the learning curve for the, each animal. Sure, sure. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking with Elizabeth Thompson. She is the executive director for the Oregon Coast Humane Society. We're talking about what to do with pets. Uh, maybe if we can't care for them forever, obviously. Um, you know, it's interesting. As, I, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking, boy, you know, the role and the tasks that a humane society is really expanded over 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 the intervening decades. I mean, it, perhaps years ago it was it was just that it was if someone finds a dog or a cat that's astray and brings it to the humane society. You're doing a lot more than just that these days, isn't that the case? It's it's really been a culture shift, and this is nationwide, and it's a beautiful part of sheltering that really we're all working to keep families with their animals. So especially as we, you know, we just went through this huge pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so many people lost their job or they went, they worked remotely, they went and got an animal and then they have to go back to work. And we're, you know, there's so many times people call and they're, oh, I've got to surrender this dog. They're just not trained. They need this and that. And anytime we can provide a resource that keeps the dog in the home, that's all the better for the animal and for the person who loves the animal. But yeah, it's really here. We, I always say, oh, we serve both ends of the leash because at the end of the day, <laughs> Um, people are better with pets. Your yeah. life is longer and it's more, it's richer. And, you know, everything we can do to make that um, people stay with the animal they love, the better for everybody. And it's, it's, it's such a joy to serve in that way, to not just look at it. You know, this is not the dog pound of the seventies. Like mm. that is not what you see across the country anymore. And it's such a beautiful transition for the organizations that are trying to help animals and the people who love them. Well, and, and, and to that point, you know, and you brought up the pandemic, I imagine as much of a shock and, and none of us want to necessarily look back at, on that time. However, I imagine, like you just described a bit, there were some lessons learned during the pandemic about owners and pets that, that perhaps you're, you're, you're applying today. Really, it has shifted how everything is done. Hmm. Um, we saw so many people that got an animal because they were at home and these animals were just the center of their world. I sure. mean, this was kind of their lifeline when they were, you know, stuck in their house without much access to anything social or other people or, or, you know, animals of any type. And so then as we came out of it, we saw there was a lack of access to veterinary services. So all these people that got animals then couldn't get them fixed end up with all these accidental litters of puppies and kittens. And so there's just been this boom of animals nationwide and shelters, you know, we we're in all kinds of collaborations with other shelters, you know, mainly in Oregon, we try to work with our neighboring shelters, but mm -hmm. the trend across the country is that large dogs are, the shelters are overwhelmed. All shelters are overwhelmed with animals, cats and dogs. Large dogs are taking a lot longer to find homes for, and they're having a lot more behavior issues because people could not socialize the animal. And so when you have a puppy, it's really important that you get them out early and often. They're meeting different people. They're learning about the vacuum cleaner. They're learning that the lawnmower is not scary. They can get in an elevator. They can go upstairs. And so we've, we're seeing all these animals arrive here with just a really lack of, of social skills hmm. and through no fault of the owner. It's just yeah. that they didn't have access to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, as I was reading the materials about the, your upcoming event, you're having an attorney there to help people. And I guess that's that's kind of a, an interesting part of this is is to make sure that, you know, 
it's not just, hey, hoping for someone to be able to take care of, of an animal in case uh, I might pass away. It's, it's really getting everything written down and making sure that, that, that it's a document that, that will survive you much like a will. Absolutely. Because, you know, like it says in the in the event information, you can't leave money to your animals. Hmm. And so it's important that if people are doing their trust planning or, you know, writing their will, doing their estate, that they make things very clear what they want to have happen with their animals. Yeah, we got two. we got two little senior dogs in here a couple of weeks ago and. Those dogs actually came in. That woman that adopted them had a stroke. So Mm. she's still alive, but she's no longer in her home. She's in assisted living. Um, She had put the two dogs into her trust. And she had, whoever took the dogs was going to get money when they, when they took her, her animals. And the, the dogs were, ended up going to one of her friends. And the woman had the two dogs for less than a month and brought them here to us. And, um, And this is a great example of how you have the best laid plans and then the plans, something has shifted. So the woman that was, had been given these two dogs brought them to us because she said, I just can't handle them. She just gotten her own dog. So she she now has three, three dogs in the house. Um, And so she ends up bringing us these two dogs. Well, finally, and we have all the paperwork about their adoption. They had been adopted in July. They came from a local rescue here in Oregon so we're trying to kind of track that down. So we end up contacting the woman, the original owner's sister. Hmm. And she had no idea that the friend who'd gotten the dogs had brought the dogs to us. So it was oh, just wow. another good example of like, there's no guarantees. And, you know, what a gift that she provided funding for those dogs. Well, Elizabeth Thompson, the executive director for the Oregon Coast Humane Society, really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking with us and giving us this very important information. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. That's our show for today. Making a will can be hard because, let's face it, it means planning for your ultimate demise. But, like anything in life, if you don't make a plan, you only create misery later on. And as our population ages, and so many of us simultaneously have pets in our lives, it only makes sense to plan for their lives without us. I want to thank Carrie Lieberman of Green Hill Humane Society and Elizabeth Thompson of the Oregon Coast Humane Society for talking with us. This show, along with all episodes of Oregon on the Record, is available at klcc.org. I'm Michael Dunn, and this has been Oregon on the Record from KLCC. Thanks for listening.